Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show, where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health. I'm Richard Talk to Me Guy, and Sherry Edwards, as we know, is working on the soundhealthportal.com. She's always tweaking and improving and bringing up new charts on the Sound Health Portal. I suggest going to the soundhealthportal.com, scrolling down to the videos, and watching the, one of the live video demonstrations that Sherry does online with a with a volunteer and takes them all the way through the process of getting their voice recorded, running it through the software and showing the reports. Cause it's an amazing thing to see. I can talk about it for a long time, but really just seeing that demonstration gives you a tremendous amount of information of the process of doing it. And now with it being online, we can do it from anywhere. And so that means for me, I just carry around a small microphone like the Samsung go mic, plug it into anybody's computer and can do an intake with them anywhere. It's great to hear and share replays of the show about 20 to 30 minutes after the show is over. And you can go to talktomeguy.com, scroll down, see all the show notes, including any links that we talk about during the show, I'll put in there. And you can just scroll right down to the bottom of the show notes and listen to it right from your device. And or you can pull it up on a computer and listen to it through your computer. There's about three or 400 hours of shows there now. At the bottom of each page is a little microphone. And if you click on that microphone and tap on it, if you're on a mobile device, you can leave me a message and say, what about this? What about that? What about this guest? I have a question about that or whatever you'd like to say. And I'll be notified about that. You can find all that at talktomeguy.com. With that, Dr. Ken Walker, who writes under the pseudonym of Dr. W. Gifford Jones, MD, is a graduate of the University of Toronto and the Harvard Medical School. He trained in general surgery at Strong Memorial Hospital, University of Rochester, Montreal General Hospital, McGill University, and in gynecology at Harvard. His storied medical career began as a general practitioner, ship's surgeon, and hotel doctor. For more than 40 years, he specialized in gynecology, devoting his practice to the formative issues of women's health. For 45 years, he has written a medical column for 75 North American newspapers. Today, the readership remains over 7 million. His advice column contains a solid dose of common sense, and he never sits on the fence with controversial issues. He's the author of nine books, including his autobiography, You're Going to Do What? What I Learned as a Medical Journalist, and 90 Plus, How I Got There. Many years ago, he was successful in a fight to legalize heroin used to help ease the pain of terminal cancer patients. His foundation at that time donated $500,000 to establish the Gifford Jones Professorship in Pain Control and Palliative Care at the University of Toronto Medical School. Today, Doc Giff's daughter, Diana Gifford Jones, joins Doc Gifford Jones to talk about Linus Pauling and scientific evidence of vitamin C. Welcome, Dr. Giff and Diane. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. I'm so happy we're all gathered together here. I want to ask, this is derived from one of your amazing articles, and in those links, I've put many links to articles and references and to Dr. Giff's amazing resource of 18 years or more years of articles now on his website. It's really amazing, dotgiff.com. Why why are humans like guinea pigs and not dogs? Well, hum, humans um, 
uh, lost the ability, uh, uh, Richard, eons and eons ago, to produce vitamin C, so that they uh, no humans produce vitamin C. The only the only two uh, animals that produce uh, that don't produce vitamin C are the guinea pig and the fruit fry. And so that, uh, that of course, the guinea pig makes it an excellent uh, uh, research animal to uh, to to, to, uh, to research the uh, uh, vitamin C. So that it was a really a very very bad genetic move when eons ago we we lost the ability to produce vitamin C, which is very much like glucose actually. And uh, animals make vitamin C by uh, by changing the glucose mo- uh, molecule. But anyway, it's resulted in a um, huge amount of uh, cardiovascular disease, and certainly in, in terms of the uh, current situation with the uh, with the virus that is going on, uh, it's caused a, a lot of confusion. And I think basically. Uh, that a lot of people are going to and have died needlessly because of uh, in, inadequate uh, medical care. And do we have any idea, was it just a fluke, a genetic skip in the evolution of humankind that we lost the ability to produce vitamin C? Do we know that we were able to do it and then we lost it? No, we, we were able to do it and, and lost it, and I, I have no idea how we wow. lost it. But uh, it goes back, you know, several million years. So my my dog is smarter than me. <laughs> I've always thought so. <laughs> Your dog manufactures uh, five thousand milligrams uh, every day, which is sort of ridiculous, you know. When you when you think, Richard, that uh, humans are supposed to only get along with ninety milligrams a day, and here we have your dog. Uh, uh, manufacturing 5,000 milligrams daily, and if they develop a, a fight with the next door neighbor's dog and get injured, or they develop a severe infection, that dog that was making just 5,000 milligrams a day will immediately start making 100,000. Wow! So it shows shows the uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, it shows that somehow that dog knows that. He's, he's damn sick, and he's better make a lot of a lot of vitamin C. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I read that, and it you know, amazes I, me every time I read it. Go ahead, Diana. I, I want to add a point to that too, because it's not just you know what's interesting about that is not just if a dog has an infection does the increase in production happen, but when my dad was talking a moment ago about the fight with the dog next door, you know that's a stress kind of situation. So. I want to emphasize that you need vitamin C to help your body function when you're stressed. So I'm, you know, not necessarily even injured or infected, just stressed. Yes, when you're under under stress, Diana, uh, say, say preoperatively, or or, or a stress, stressful psychological uh, situation, your vitamin C can can decrease as much as ninety percent. And uh, that 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 can be a difference between sometimes life and death. And I want to step sideways for a moment. About what is the cost of a gram of vitamin C? Does anybody in this group know? Just ballpark issue. Oh, cents, cents, cents a day, a few cents a day. 
Right. 20 cents a day, 20 cents a day. Is there any harm in taking a gram or up to like just sort of as an average daily thing, like let's say three grams a day spread throughout the day. That's only three grams. That's only 3,000 milligrams. Is there any hazard there? There's no hazard at all. In fact, uh, Richard, the, you cannot overdose with vitamin C. No one's died of an overdose. Uh, you can take, uh, uh, when you're treating infectious disease, uh, you may have to, to use uh, 300,000 milligrams of vitamin C intravenously to, uh, to, uh, to uh, rid yourself of the, of the infection. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a totally uh, safe drug. It's relatively cheap. For, I wrote an a, um, article recently. Uh, you're, you're not old enough as I am to know that during the war they used to have these dances for servicemen, and you can pay 10 cents a dance to get a dance with a pretty girl. <laughs> 10 cents a dance with a pretty girl. For another 10 cents, 20 cents a day, you can get all the vitamins you need to possibly rid yourself of uh, of the uh, current uh, COVID-19 virus. That's amazing. That's amazing. And later on in the conversation, I think I'll use the word appalling. Uh, but for now, I'll say that's amazing. In in your last year of Harvard Medical School, you discovered, or it was discovered, that you had polio. Was that your introduction to Klenerzorik, or were you already aware of him? So if you talk about that whole... Thing, please. No, when I was in my last year of medical school, I did did develop a, a polio and temporarily lost the power in my legs. Uh, luckily, gradually, you know, with physiotherapy and so forth, got over it. But no, my 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 first uh, introduction to uh, vitamin C was Linus Pauling. After I got into medical practice and started writing a medical column. I had the great privilege of uh, of interviewing Linus Pauling in Toronto on two occasions mm. for two hours each two two wow. hours each time. Uh, just a, a charming, brilliant gentleman, and uh, so that was my first experience. Of course, my daughter's and... heard about it ever since. <laughs> I bet <laughs> I'd be telling everybody too if I talked to Linus Pauling. I'd still be telling people about it. That would be amazing to sit with the genius of Linus Pauling. Um, I want to well, – let me go back to Klenner for a minute, and then we'll jump back to Linus Pauling. Dr. Klenner's work, he had done a study of his own, I guess, giving patients 1,000 – 100,000 milligrams of vitamin C intravenous with polio. Was right. he a heretic at the time? I mean, how did he oh, – oh, Tremendously a heretic. Uh, and uh, a brilliant, a brilliant heretic, and, and you know, uh, Frederick Klenner uh, was just a family doctor. He had had absolutely no training in virology. He didn't have a fancy lab to back him up. He was just a small town family doctor. And uh, how he ever got the idea to? Uh, to, to give intravenous vitamin C to 60 polio patients, 100,000 milligrams a day, and not, not one of them developed polio. 
And here I was at the time in the, the Harvard Medical School, one of the great medical institutions of the world, and my professors would uh, visit me daily and say, oh, you've got, you've, your legs are getting weaker, but we don't have any treatment for it. And here, if I'd only been <laughs> in a small town in North Carolina with a family doctor, he could have saved my paralysis. Rather ironic. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's truly amazing. And and from your my reading of your material, you talked about that based on Connor's work, and I think he may have worked with other such things as meningitis, rattlesnake bite. I mean, that's a radical idea. Rattlesnake bite. Yes. See, most, most doctors, uh, Richard, will. Um, they, they would rather stand by and do absolutely nothing and see their patient die than admit that vitamin C is more than just a vitamin. Mm. Vitamin C is an antioxidant uh, and it's an antibiotic so that there, there hasn't been one viral disease that ever has been diagnosed that cannot be treated successfully with uh, intravenous vitamin C. And why does the, the it big, have to be? Challenge. Go ahead, Diana. You know, go ahead. You know, the big challenge. I think. I think. You know, you can hear the frustration in my dad's voice about this, and and it it must be really frustrating when you've got that kind of experience and you've been reading the research for years and you've been arguing the case forever. But you know, the part that's hard is that in 2020, you know, times have changed and. You won't find a doctor like Dr. Klenner today that will feel comfortable, will feel safe doing those kinds of, um, what did you call them, sort of radical uh, contrarian approaches because they run too many risks in doing so. There's too many regulatory punishments for experimentation or for trying, um, you know, uh, remedies outside of what the, the sort of National Institutes of Health uh, publish as saying it's okay. So that leaves a lot of handcuffs on a lot of doctors, limiting what they can actually do in the way of treatment. I just think it's uh, – I will use I'm, – I'm out of the gate early using that appalling. Uh, I just think it's appalling that everything that your father knows and Linus Pauling knows and Dr. Kleiner's exper experience, that vitamin C is still this – it almost seems hated by the medical industry – I don't talk about this much, but six or seven years ago, I have no sense of time. Six or seven years ago, I was in a healthcare facility for a year because I had back-to-back -back surgeries. And one of the biggest fights I had with my doctor, because it was a big facility, they had doctor, a doctor who would come in and treat a floor kind of and monitor you. And one of the biggest fights I had was I had a friend bring me in some powdered vitamin C so I could be taking it for every couple of hours post-surgery and just in general. I was in a healthcare facility with 300 other people. You bet I wanted to keep my vitamin mm -hmm. C up. And I had a big, many bad words battle with my doctor and the floor nurse about taking vitamin C. Mm. Vitamin C, really? You're pumping me full of all sorts of creepy stuff and you're going to argue with me about vitamin C. And I don't mean me, I just mean the idea of I wanted to take vitamin C to support my immune system and to help my body detoxify from right. all of this surgery. And they were well, just you know, completely opposed. It blows my you mind. Know, you know, Richard, the one thing I have learned over the years uh, is that doctors are not angels. 
and uh, they, they, they can cause a lot of difficulty by, by not using common sense. And that, uh, you know, in the, for instance, in the current uh, uh, pandem- pandemic that we're going through, you know, if, if I, I haven't heard one medical officer of health, one doctor who is involved, and doctors who are involved in infectious disease uh, care, and 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 TV, uh, you know, news people like CNN, CNN, they always talk about uh, uh, social distancing, uh, using a face mask, uh, and and washing your hands. I haven't yet heard one of these people say that by just taking a, one gram of vitamin C uh, three times a day, along with maybe three thousand international units of vitamin D that this would decrease the number of people developing the, uh, the uh, COVID-19 virus, and also, if they develop it, uh, to decrease the risk of dying. Uh, so that there's been a tremendous amount of, of uh, hypocrisy uh, in, in terms of uh, educating the public on, on uh, how they can deal with this, with this pandemic. It really is. I'm I'm with you in that I've listened to I listen to a lot of shows every week, health, technical, all sorts of stuff, and I have yet to hear anybody in the regular sort of media realms talk about that at all. There's a lot of magical, you know, we're coming up with this and billions of dollars going to that kind of research and blah blah blah. I mean, and yet not once have I heard somebody say exactly what you're saying. How about we support the immune system? Well, that's what you're doing when you're taking that one gram of vitamin C three times a day. It does really blow my mind that – well, let me back up and ask it this way. When you were in medical school, were you some kind of radical hippie? <laughs> Meaning, how did, you break, how did you break free from the dogmatic teachings of pharmaceutical rep as your friend and all that kind of thing? into thinking about vitamin C and considering it and then really getting fully engaged in its usage. Well, I guess that, that happened, Richard, when I, got, when I you know, went into practice and ran into a, a, a lack, lack of common sense always. Uh, and uh, the, the first thing I got involved with was trying to legalize heroin for terminal cancer patients because it was had been uh, available in Great Britain for, you know, 90 years. So I wrote a, I wrote a, a New Year's resolution column about it. And I remember the, the editor of the Niagara Falls Review said, oh, you'll get about, you'll get about, about a dozen replies, uh, you know, applauding you for it. In, in Niagara Falls, a town of 60,000 at that time, I got over, I think it was 1,200 1, replies that came in. And, and it, it showed that so many people were, you know, involved in, in care of cancer patients, their loved one was dying of, can, of cancer, and it, it became a very uh, important thing in my life at that time. And I fought for five years to, to get the Canadian government to finally legalize uh, heroin for terminal cancer patients. So it's, it uh, goes goes back goes back a long way. And Diana, I remember Diana <laughs> helping me look 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 over those twelve hundred letters that came in. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember sitting at the dining room table and reading the letters as well. And I was a youngster, I think twelve years old, 
and I was struck by how how painful it was to read the letters from people. You know, you sit there and you actually cry because they were telling you about the pain that they'd had uh, watching their loved one die and, you know, just basically begging my father to take forward the campaign to do something about it. It was it was it was a remarkable experience for me for sure. And we had the we had the opportunity to go to Ottawa uh, and sort of drop these letters on the desk of the Minister of Health, and I'll never forget that as well. We had six green garbage bags full of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So you so you you've dragged Diana into being a heretic in a certain way. Although as we've discussed uh, backstage, she has a softer <laughs> presentation of it, but she's still trying to. What I, I've, I've always liked the term corrupt from within, meaning that you get into the <laughs> industry and then you begin to change the mind of the industry from within versus outside banging on the door. And I think Diana's yeah. the uh, secret agent I'm hoping for. And from talking to Diana, well, I, I think she I, I, I come at it from a different point of view because I'm not a medical doctor. I'm, I'm more of a policymaker, um, and I, I feel for the – the folks that are struggling to make decisions that affect laws and, you know, lives, and they want to do the right thing. I think generally speaking, you know, my father says doctors are not angels. Um, I think they probably think they are angels and they're trying to do the right thing, but they get misled and they get um, misdirected by very powerful forces in our society that, you know, put very lucrative deals at their fingertips to prescribe drugs and so on. But um, yeah, I think I, I think there's a real genuine problem for those that are trying to do the right thing because the information's not clear, and you can just readily today you, you do a Google search for you know benefits of vitamin C, and just as quickly as you'll find a study that says X is you know a study that shows vitamin C is good for X, you'll find another one that says vitamin C is not good for X. And you have to be a bit of a specialist to decipher what's the truth in the situation. And as you get more and more into it, you start to study it further and further, you see that, for example, one study used a dosage of vitamin C that was 10 milligrams a day, and another study used a dosage that was 1,000 milligrams a day. So, of course, you're going to get different results. But the public isn't hearing that level of detail, and nor are the doctors, frankly. Diana just mentioned a very important thing, the, do the dosage. Linus Pauling used to get so irritated with his critics when they would say, you know, you, uh, we've taken vitamin C and it, it hasn't helped our common cold. And, uh, and then find out they're taking, you know, uh, 100, 100 milligrams of vitamin C. And he kept saying to them, we, it's the dosage, idiots. It's the dosage. You, and unless you get the, the right dosage, you're not going to get the right result. Uh, after all, you can't repair pneumonia with a small amount of penicillin, and uh, that's been been one of the great problems over the years. That doctors have not realized the the importance of, of dose. You do, you give dose, and when uh, the mo you give the most effective dose that's required, and this is usually a very large dose. And and that's a great point for me to ask the, if you would talk about the difference of delivery systems, meaning taking oral vitamin C versus IV vitamin C, because when you're talking IV vitamin C, typically you are talking very high doses. Um, so would you talk about those two different delivery systems and the why? Yes. Well, well, well you, uh, for instance, I take 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. 
in divided doses, and you always take it in divided doses because uh, vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, not like vitamin D where you could take your entire dose in one for the entire month in one day if you wanted to. But every time you urinate, you lose a, a bit of vitamin C. That's why you should take it three times a day to keep your blood level at a fairly constant, constant level. Um, so that for the for the average thing, uh, for, for for building up your immunity, uh, taking it orally is perfectly all right. But you, uh, it's all you know. If you if you're out in, in a say a snowstorm, and your and your car is running out of gas, you're in trouble. Uh, and the same reason that if you develop an influenza and you haven't been taking vitamin C, so your blood level is low. Then it, you, it takes you a few uh, time to, to build it up again. So that's why it's always important to take vitamin C on a regular daily do- doses so your white blood cells are always loaded with, with vitamin C to uh, fight an infection if you get one. But if you get a serious infection, let's say I come down with, with influenza and, uh, and I'm in, in dire straits, then going directly to uh, to um, uh, intravenous uh, vitamin C is is extremely important to get a high dose of about I mean only a hundred or two hundred thousand milligrams of vitamin C uh, immediately. So it, it all depends on the severity of the of the illness. And with the I vitamin C, do we reduce the bowel tolerance issue? And could you talk a little bit about bowel tolerance for people? Yeah, why don't I let you take about talk about that, Diana? Well, I think you know, I'm 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 receiving so many questions from readers, and and I do get questions about that, and and so this seems like the best scenario is to break up that dosage over the course of the day and take a larger dose before bed, and a yes. smaller dose in the morning. Yes, everyone everyone has a tolerance, uh, Richard, to uh, vitamin C. Uh, for for instance, the, we we live in a very constipated nation, and we could wait. <laughs> we we could we could literally solve constipation in in one in one clear swoop by taking say six thousand milligrams of vitamin C at bedtime. And in all probability, that person will get up in the morning, and the first thing they'll do is have a bowel movement. So that we we have bowel tolerance for the average person, taking say two thousand, maybe three thousand milligrams a day, you're not going to going to get that. But once you get above that dosage, you invariably get get diarrhea. So you you take it to bowel tolerance, and then when you reach bowel tolerance, you simply cut it. Back a bit, and and, and that, that that looks after it. There are, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions from people about this dosage matter, and and I think that that's the important message there. There's no specific, you know, daily dose. You want to get a high dose, but whether it's three thousand milligrams a day, or four thousand milligrams a day, or two thousand five hundred milligrams a day, it matters less. Uh, you got to see where your where your system tolerates how much you want, but. Sorry. It's nice to say you don't need to be too fixated on exactly what the exact milligrams is. I always tell people that you'll know when you're taking enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah. know. Yes, will. There will be no mistake. You will know when you've reached ball of tolerance. I'm really, believe me, and, you will know. And I, 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 tell, I tell people, Richard, that who, who have a serious illness, let's say you, you were in a situation where you were traveling or, or you're, you're in North America and you just don't have the access to intravenous vitamin C. Not, all, not many people do. But you can you could get the same effect if you if you started taking 2,000 milligrams of powdered vitamin C every hour, you'd finally get up to uh, 12,000 or 20,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day by doing it. Now you would you would you would end up eventually uh, sitting on the toilet. But on the other hand, it would be it's much it's a much better scenario to sit on the toilet than than to lie under a tombstone, and uh, <laughs> you you could in other words, IV vitamin C is important. But if you're really in a in a bad situation. You can just force yourself to take large amounts of vitamin C on an hourly basis until you get bowel tolerance and then again back down, back, back off a bit. Well, also from my own experience, I mean, I can casually take probably 10 grams a day. Um, right. And, and that was even before I discovered, which we'll talk about more later, the Medici Plus, which is my new favorite formula. I get no anything for saying that, but it's a great formula, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But I've been taking vitamin C for long enough that I can casually take three to five grams or six grams at a time. And, you know, if I take that for, you know, a couple of hours, if I'm working on trying to fight something off, or perhaps even just an allergic reaction, or I li- because I live in an agricultural area, sometimes they'll spray out here. I live in a lot of vineyard country. And they'll spray. They'll come out at the dawn's early light pre light so we can't see them spraying, but I know they do it because I've seen them. And I can feel it in the morning. I'll high-dose vitamin C for that morning, and by the afternoon, I'm fine. So it's just a matter of getting a – it's back to sort of your thing of common sense, a combination of common sense and self-care. And what's what's happening in the vitamin C is getting rid of your histamine, which is is, is a bad, bad reaction. Dana, Dana, I, have, I want to ask you, I, I know that we'd had a bit of a conversation backstage the other day about this. You have thoughts about how to, or why not, or I have all sorts of bad words in my mind, so that's why I'm stumbling, about the idea of why couldn't we take some of the money that we're putting into getting kids back into schools and just take a little tiny amount of it and look at vitamin yeah. C? Would you talk about that whole idea? Because yeah. I think that's this one. Well, it really stems from what I was saying earlier about, you know, we need to give modern uh, decision makers some evidence that they can stand behind. They will not risk their careers in the absence of evidence. And unfortunately, there is not yet a body of evidence uh, that is of the highest order, you know, clinical trials that are uh, controlled, triple blind, using vitamin C. Uh, so we need some of those kinds of trials to get going. And I look at the staggering dollar volume that is being pumped into the, the you know, the really serious problem of getting kids back in school. We have to get our young kids back in school because we know how bad it is for them, uh, cumulatively, uh, for their lifetimes to be out of school. So we want, a kid, we want our kids to be back in school. 
and we're throwing millions, in the case of um, a recent estimate from Ontario, potentially billions of dollars towards making the schools safe through the purchasing of gloves and masks and disinfectants and hiring cleaners and so on. And I'm thinking if we could only just put a little bit of money towards some very easy-to-do clinical studies on the effectiveness of vitamin C for teachers and students in schools and, you know, compare controlled studies, controlled trials of uh, kids that get the vitamin, teachers that get the vitamin, and schools where kids and teachers don't get the vitamin. And within a period of time, I think we'd be able to say, you know, we've got an evidence base that allows us to, you know, um, put in place the policies and the and the, uh, the protocols in, in workplaces and schools that would allow everyone to kind of have a better chance of fighting the coronavirus. We know, we know, we all know, those of us that study this issue deeply are very confident that things will be better if only we did that. But the people that have to put their careers on the line and put, um, you know, their, 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 their reputations on the line um, won't do it in 2020 without that evidence base. And I really can't understand why the governments are not putting a small amount of money that would be necessary to do this forward. Um, that's, that's, that's where I think our, our media folks are kind of falling down because they're not doing their homework to get the word out and kind of, you know, motivate action. What they're going, Diane, is in the opposite direction. There were schools recently uh, raided by, by, by the FBI and uh, because they were giving intravenous vitamin C, so that there's a there's a lot of um, fear there in the um, among the medical profession that uh, if they do go in just a little bit outside of the uh, the regular channels, uh, they're they're in trouble. And yeah, uh, you know, and, and furthermore, furthermore, you know, you look at you look at what's happened to the research community. It is virtually impossible these days to do any research on children. You can't, you, you, you know, you constantly see, even with all drugs, that it's not been tested on pregnant women and it's not been tested on children because the ethical uh, rationales are, are, are difficult to make and the risks are seemingly too high for people to take. So, you know, you don't have those kinds of things happening. And, and back in 1950, when Dr. Klenner was doing his work, he, he was not going to be punished by the medical establishment uh, the same way that doctors today would be terribly punished and ostracized if they were to be in the absence of permission. Well, he, he wasn't punished, Diana, but, but, but he was ostracized. In other words, nobody listened to him. That, that, that yeah. research of Dr. Clinton's um, should, should have, it really should have hit the headlines of every newspaper in the world. And it just it just collected dust. And if you ask if you ask the average doctor today, do you believe that vitamin high doses of vitamin C can cure polio? I bet you not. Not that five percent would know about would know about it if, if that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that because? Do you think part of that is contributed to by its? Well, I was going to say it was blocked by the medical schools, but it just seems like the medical schools. Are not just they. I'll talk about it from the other side. That that I've talked to. I've done a number of shows with Gwen Olson, who was for almost 15 years a pharmaceutical rep. And then she, one day, she woke up and she went, "My God, what am I doing?" I mean, really had an aha moment. And then she wrote a book about how 
she was trained really to be almost like a spy in the sense of really yeah. getting enrolled in the doctor's life and being their lifeline and remembering the kids' birthdays, all those kind of subtle NLP kind of creepy things. And she wrote a book, and then she left the country about that experience. Yeah. Uh, it's really we don't. You know, if we had somebody like that for vitamin C, it would be amazing out there teaching people about look. Diana is so right. You know, you you could pick a half a dozen schools and say, we're going to give a a small amount of vitamin C and a small amount of vitamin D, both of which are totally uh, safe. And we've got another half a dozen schools on the other side who aren't going to get it and go through the the influenza season. And they would quickly, and I'm sure they would quickly find that the school that was getting the vitamin C and D we didn't have the illness that the other school had, and that, and that wouldn't cost. It wouldn't cost a bundle. It would cost a relative. Dan is right. It would cost a fraction of what they're spending elsewhere. And there would. Is there any potential harm there? I mean, Diana, is there? Can you imagine that there's any potential harm of taking a school and giving them vitamin C and vitamin no. D? <laughs> no, there is no harm. That's that's the irony of the situation. There's no harm. We know that vitamin C is not going to hurt anybody. But there is a culture of just stepping away from research that involves children. People will not do it, and that is wrong. Um, so the, the hurdles that the researchers would need to go through in order to get permission to do this kind of research in schools with real children is um, I think too monumental. Now we need to cut that. We need to change that so that we can we can kind of get back into common sense approaches to solving these problems. Right now, like you said, Richard, you know, if you were to go, go onto the campus of a medical school, pretty much anywhere in the world, you won't find that the doctors in training are being educated on natural remedies. That's because the culture in these places to, is to reproduce excellence at the highest levels in each field. And in each field, excellence at the highest level is a medical model that involves, you know, pinnacle expertise on not natural stuff, but all the stuff that has been discovered over the past 50, 100 years that involves, you know, um, pharmaceutical products, that involves advanced surgical techniques, that involves, you know, all these different fields of medicine. And there's no glory in looking at the basics, like are you getting a good night's sleep at night and how much is that affecting your health? Are you getting the exercise you need? Are you taking uh, the vitamins and getting the, the diet that you, you know, we all know is good for you? That's not, that's not exciting for medical school students, and that's a problem too. Well, and they don't really uh, advocate for the idea of this horrific concept in Western medicine, I suspect, the idea of getting patients involved in self-care. I don't mean right. that if I have a gash in my arm that I'm going to try and stitch it up myself. I know people like that. I'm not one of those. However, <laughs> there is this whole, like you and your, your father talk about, the idea of, I think GIF has this wonderful thing about we have two legs, we should be using them. Get up, walk, move around. I wanted to try that. But we're not really, we don't have anywhere, I mean, I'm old enough that in, it seems like for a while at least we had... When I was in elementary school, we had maybe a health class, which was mostly a joke, and the idea of home ec, where you'd learn to be cooking or doing some kind of things. We had some of that. That's all disappeared. But we have no direction of 
we've we've been trained. I almost said indoctrinated. The audience can take their choice, trained or indoctrinated, into the idea of something's wrong. I'm going to the doctor. The doctor will give me something. I'll feel better. Versus something's wrong. Why is that thing wrong? Why is my cholesterol high? What's your diet? There's, There's no conversation about that. There's no intake because it isn't something. I don't know what the word is. It isn't part of the protocol to think that way. Here's a drug. Take this. I'm of an age now in my late 60s where if I go to a doctor, which is very rare, they immediately look at a list and like, are you taking this? Are you taking this? Are you taking this? Because they consider it to be age appropriate, that I'm supposed to be on statins, that I should be on some sort of blood pressure medication, that I should be on certain things because I'm of a certain age. I'm not. And I have bad words for why I feel that way. Um, So it's, Mm -hmm. it's it's a weird system. So I love that idea that you have of, why can't we find some vitamin C company to fund that study? What would be the, but like you say, kids are a tricky category. Goodness knows we don't want them to be taking vitamin C and being healthier. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think the, the, the key part of the solution is going to be taking a much more interdisciplinary approach where we're not, like you say, like thinking that your doctor is your be-all and end-all of what determines your health, <laughs> that's, that's got to change too. So you know, it's, it's, it's so much more than that, and we all know that. And yeah. we always, my father and I always encourage people when they're, when they're needing some fresh ideas about how to take care of themselves, walk into a natural health store and in that store ask some of the employees for some thoughts because these are the people who are more likely to have the perspective that we're talking about right now. They care about you know, how you're doing as a human, as a person, the whole person, not the medical drugs that you're taking or the, um, you know, which prescriptions you're on. People, yeah. people, people need to people need to get a, a second opinion, you know, from from the from the from the health food stores, uh, uh, which 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 certainly have a you know pile of information to, to give. Second opinions are always important. It reminds me of the the story of Groucho Marx, who said, uh, "I was married. I was married by a judge. I should have asked for a jury." <laughs> you know, you um, uh, second opinions are always important, and uh, uh, if people would go into their health food stores and and ask the people there about uh, natural remedies. They are well informed, and uh, they say no one who walks into a health food store uh, ever uh, ever gets ill or, or, or dies. Where, uh, where on the other hand, you walk with a prescription out of a doctor's office, you never know what's going to what, what that's going to do to you. Well, and well, no, I, I want to jump now. I have so many things to say about that, but I want to jump to talking about the how did the formulation of Medici Plus come about? as I'm a big fan of it since I discovered it from the last show we did with you. How did that formulation come about and talk about that? Because I think it's such a great yeah. product. Well, I, I had a heart attack when I was uh, 74. And uh, if it hadn't been for Linus Pauling, we wouldn't be uh, t- talking today, or I wouldn't be talking here uh, here today. But so that uh, after my heart attack, all my cardiologists said, you know, you're – 
you're an absolute fool if you don't take cholesterol-lowering medication. And But because I had uh, uh, interviewed Linus Pauling on these two occasions, uh, I was convinced that I, I had I, more likely safer with, in, his, in, in his hands than in my physician's hands. Because he, he one of the first things he told me when I interviewed him was that just a small amount of vitamin C, if the population had a small amount of vitamin C on a daily basis, the amount of cardiovascular disease, namely uh, the number one heart disease that killed most people, coronary attack, would be vastly, vastly uh, lowered. And so I, de- I decided to take uh, 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 5,000 of lysine, which is an, an amino acid. And I, I did this. I had I was taking 30 pills a day to get you know the 10,000 milligrams in, into my body, and I finally, luckily, ran into a, a president of a pharmaceutical company. And when I told him what I was doing, he said, "Well, you know, I I I think we could we could make a powder out of vitamin C, and you could stop having this follow all these all these pills." And about four months later, MediC Plus was was born, and, uh, and of course I've been taking taking it ever since. It doesn't matter what kind of vitamin C you take, but this is a very pleasant vitamin C. It's a, you can have a berry flavor, or you can have a lime a lime flavor, and uh, a single scoop uh, that's in in the package contains 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C. And, and and 400 milligrams of, of lysine, and uh, so it's you can you can measure you can measure the amount uh, whether you want to take 2,000 or 4,000 or 6,000 a day by just the number of scoops you 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 require. So that's that's how it really started, Richard. And uh, and fortunately, I ran into uh, into a situation where. Uh, we had medicine plus in a very very short time i i'm so happy to hear that because as i say once uh, i interviewed you and diana last time i immediately went out to try to find some unfortunately for me it's a canadianly created product so it's longer to get here but once i started getting it um, and started taking it, it's my new favorite thing because the flavor is very mild. It doesn't have that high sort of ascorbic acid, straight ascorbic acid, which I'd taken for a long time, kind of a slight bite to it. And it's just so easy to take a scoop. I'm not pimping the product here. I want to be clear, but I'm just saying in terms of a delivery system, it's really great because you just toss a scoop in water, and I'm getting two grams of vitamin C and 1,300 milligrams of lysine and a little bit of magnesium, and it dissolves, and it's easy to take. I mean, it's so easy to take because I, too, have taken way too many pills in my lifetime between being an herbalist and having been supplement-oriented for decades. And so it's just always great to find a powder that works, it tastes good, and it replaces so many bottles of pills. I'm so happy. So thank you. I guess the best way to get it in the United States is through by by Amazon. Yes, Amazon has been the best. It still takes quite a while. I don't know what the it's not I'm not I don't know what the lag is between getting it from here to from Canada to here, but it seems I don't know if they have to like 
dog sniff it or what it is, but there's just a lag yeah. of log. It's like we're it's like we're hundreds. It's like it's coming from. I can get products faster from China. I don't know what the what it is, but it's there's no doubt about, about it. Our, our, our Canadian border is tough to cross, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's surprisingly tough. But once you figure it out, get it, whether it's Amazon or I found it a couple of other places. But it's such a great way to get vitamin C in, and it's easy. Most people are a little spooked by the idea of taking two grams at once. I'm not. I've had, as I say, with the sprays around here, I've had times when I've taken two scoops at once just to really get a low dose immediately. And it's, it's really great. I can't say enough good things about it, obviously. And it does come, it, it comes in pill form too, but I, I prefer the powder. Yeah, when I want something, I like a powder because I don't have to wait for my body to break it down. I just, and plus, I think right. there's some benefit oral in the mouth absorption as well, getting the blood brain barrier and all that, and just getting it right into all the tissues as much as possible. So I think it's a wonderful delivery system. So, Richard, maybe the one thing for your listeners would be, um, I know you don't want to plug stuff, but I'll shamelessly plug a website that we have that, you know, contains Please. all of the articles. But, um, it's www.docgif.com. So it's D-O-C-G-I-F-F for .gif.com. And this website has all of the articles, more than I think over 1,200 of them posted now that my father's written over the years. And uh, we're loading more of them all the time, and a new one gets uh, loaded each week. And the recommendations for sort of the natural approaches to health that we've been arguing over uh, for years are all posted on the website as well. So listeners can check it out and get a, a lot of information that way. It's a, it's a great resource. I have four or five links in the show notes that people can look at where I posted some of the some of my <laughs> what I will call favorite articles. One of my particular favorite articles is the peewee amounts of vitamin C won't stop heart attacks. Uh, that kind of uh, attitude. I like that kind of attitude. Like, come on, really? <laughs> uh, you know, and then there's always that slight edge, that little bit of like, come on, really? You think 60 mm -hmm. milligrams is going to stop your heart attack? Let's get real here. Um, but, you know, yeah. and, and it's a great resource uh, the Doc Gift site is an amazing, truly, this is another one of those sites where I say, you know, sit down and have a beverage because there's a lot of great reading here. And the articles, because they're newspaper columns, I believe, originally, are short, yeah. uh, but packed with lots of great information. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it's fun. For those, of, um, those people that have been following my dad's articles for years, you know, he's developed a long, a large following. And, uh, it's that attitude that he has written into the columns that makes them so appealing. You know, it's not just a reporting on the facts. It's a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek humor as well, and uh, often a history lesson. Uh, Dad, you've always pointed out uh, those people who you think have been great leaders and those that have been not so great leaders, and <laughs> there's some health connection in there somewhere, but it's always fun to see what you're, what you're putting out for people. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I'll tell you one thing, Richard, that, that uh, I find very, very exciting is that I'm now in a number of California newspapers. And it's a newspaper. It's shocking. It's good to be a part of your, of your lovely state. And uh, I just, just 
enjoy, you know, uh, getting out to, uh, to, to to other areas. And uh, and I, I nearly uh, practiced in California at one point. I had an internship given to me at the uh, uh, one of the hospitals. I forgot the name of it now. Uh, yeah, but it, 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 it's a beautiful state, and uh, it's sort of nice to be a part of it. It's, it was funny. It was one of the things that I reviewed. I, I listened to a radio show you did with some people in Bakersfield. That's why I know about the Bakersfield newspaper. And Bakersfield yes. is sort of in the Central Valley of California, which is the agricultural center of California. People don't think of California. I don't know what people think of California. I have my own opinions. But we're a huge agricultural producing state. I mean, without California, there would no be, be no tacos with chopped iceberg lettuce. Not that I'm a fan, but I'm just saying everybody's always like throwing iceberg lettuce onto a taco. And this is where 90% of the iceberg lettuce comes from, along with artichokes and everything. And so it was fun to listen to that show, knowing that that's kind of in the heartland of the ag world that is Central yes. California. And so it was fun to hear you. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Bakersfield. I don't. I don't often hear about Bakersfield. It's not like it's a metropolitan <laughs> area we talk about. It's, it's a small, great little California community. Yeah. Well, well there's no rhyme should... or reason to where we're showing up, but um, yeah, we're we're in pockets all over North America, and it's lucky for the folks that get to read it. It is. It's a real. It's an easy. You know. It's it's almost as simple as taking a scoop of vitamin C. Of the medicine plus, <laughs> and really, I'm not tempting it, but I am kind of because it's really, it's such a great delivery system, yeah. and it's so easy to use, and I find it beneficial just for what I'm wrangling with always, as I say, with the pesticides and the sprays here. And now that you've clarified for me that it's knocking down the histamine response, that explains so much uh, yeah. about my results with using it at higher doses, uh, even a couple of scoops. But and I wonder, I wonder, Richard, how many of your listeners are taking one gram of vitamin C three times a day, decreasing the risk of getting the coronavirus? And it's be interesting to know. I guess we'll never know, but uh, it, just that simple fact could uh, re relieve them of, of a you know tremendous concern. It really is amazing. I. I <laughs> One of the reasons I do a, a radio show is because my friends are tired of hearing about it. So they'd rather have me go on air and talk to people about it than tell them about what I think is important. <laughs> and it's amazing how many people are – I can't say they're resistant to it, but they, they just don't get the significance of taking the three grams a day. For me, that's yeah. – I've spilled more than three grams already this morning. I take a high dose of vitamin C. <laughs> You know, Richard, even if they took just one gram a day, because there, there is a study that happened uh, a few years ago when there was a bad case of influenza in, in an elderly uh, nursing home. And they gave, they gave everyone in the nursing home just 200 milligrams, not 1,000, 200 milligrams, and it decreased the rate of mortality by an amazing 80%. Wow. Just 200 milligrams a day, and 80% fewer people died. So, it, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it's no laughing matter that uh, a, a, a small amount of uh, vitamin C can 
even go a long way. It's really amazing. It's such a fabulous supplement, and and we're not as smart as our dogs. I think I'll I'll go toward that and move toward the cause. We're not as smart as our dogs. My dog's making five thousand grams of vitamin, five thousand milligrams of vitamin C just laying here. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. hanging out. Um, it, it's really well, wonderful. Richard, you'll never find anyone who loves you more than your dog. That's correct. That's right. And looked at me like, oh, you poor sap, you're not making vitamin C. I am. You know, it, it's, it's true. So true. You remember you remember Harry, remember Harry Truman when he arrived in Washington as, as president? He said, remember, if you want a friend in Washington, go out and buy a dog. <laughs> Wait, is that the truth? Wow. And you're in Canada. You're able to say that casually. Wow. That's a whole other show. Shocked to find we're we're here at this time. Would you, uh, Diana? Would you say the name of the website again so that our listeners have that, so they can write that down? And I'll remind them they can go For to sure. the link after the show, and all the show notes and some of the articles that I've pointed out are in the show notes. For sure. Of course, you can you can uh, always Google Gifford Jones, and chances are you'll get there. But uh, the website is www.docgif. So d o c g i f f. dot com. Thank you. And thank you both. Fun as always. Thank you. Always been very good to be in your show. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks very Take much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Have a great weekend, everybody. You too.